must know the times, answers to 25 essential questions on end-time prophecy, a powerful new book by Dennis James Woods. The world is spiraling out of control at an alarming pace. Wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, and floods devastate entire communities. Global pandemics kill hundreds of thousands of people. Social injustice, unrest, and lawlessness threaten our societies. Political instability and the threat of war increase hostilities between nations. The birth pangs of distress are getting more intense each day. The question is, what do all these things mean, and where is this world headed? Unfortunately, at a time when people need answers the most, many do not know about the end times. You Must Know the Times, Answers to 25 Essential Questions on End Time Prophecy, is an eye-opening book that is specifically designed to educate readers on a wide range of subjects concerning the last days. This book will equip you to discern the times, in which we now live. You will learn what the Bible says about the signs of the times, the conflict in the Middle East, the Tribulation Period, the Nation of Israel, the Mark of the Beast, the Antichrist, the Battle of Armageddon, the Rapture of the Church, the Return of the Lord, and many more essential topics. Discover the powerful message the Book of Revelation has for Christians, and the perils that await a rebellious world. The Lord warns, look, I am coming like a thief. The one who is alert and remains clothed, is blessed. Therefore, it is vitally important that you must know the times. Be aware, be informed, and most of all, be prepared for things to come. Get your copy today of You Must Know the Times, by Dennis James Woods, at Amazon, iTunes, Google Books, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Praise the Lord out there in podcast land. This is Dr. Dennis James Woods. We're here with you one more time with the Revelation Revolution. I know many of you maybe have asked, where did Dr. Woods go? What happened to him? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I just wanted to tell you, I had a medical procedure. I had surgery, glory to God. But God has done a great, great work in my life, and I am back. Glory to God. I've got a testimony to give, and I'm going to tell you, we have another very dynamic lesson in this episode of the Revelation Revolution. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just joined the Revelation Revolution.
God, praise God again. It is so good to be back with all of you. I miss being on the podcast, doing my broadcast with you. And uh, it has been a, 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 a somewhat of a trying time in these last few weeks. On March 29th, I had to go in and have spine surgery. I was having problems with the vertebrae in my neck pressing on my spinal cord. And it was causing some uh, tingling and sensation and numbness in my uh, both hands, arms, shoulders, shoulder blades and that type of thing. So they had to go in and, and take a look at everything. And I just wanted to give you a brief testimony. When I met with my surgeon, he... Um, uh, explained the procedure, what they were going to do. They're very, very nice, very professional. And uh, he said, this is what we have to do. We have to go in at this level and that level and take this out and put in a plate, fuse two vertebrae together and do all of this. He explained the whole thing. He said, now, Mr. Woods, he says, you're going to hate me. And uh, he said, because after this surgery, it will it would be uh, a lot of pain, associated pain and all of that uh, with the procedure. And uh, so uh, I said, well, you know, uh, if it's going to be pain and all that, you know, you know, God got to get me through. So that was my that was my feeling about it. And uh, I really wasn't concerned about it. I had one of my uh, friends come and uh, pray uh, for me. Uh, and many people prayed for us and all of that. So when I went in, it got up that morning, absolutely no fear, nothing at all. Um, went to the hospital with a company with my wife and to my, my two nieces. And uh, like I say, the saints prayed for me. We had friends come and visit me before uh, uh, we went into the hospital. Uh, the day I got there, absolutely no fear. I was just, just. It, it was like it was, it was like I wasn't about to do nothing serious. You know, it was. It's like I, I never even considered uh, anything. Uh, you know, uh, really, really anticipating anything bad. I mean, of course, when you have surgery, I mean, what are the risk you take obviously they tell you well you could die <laughs> so that was a possibility but uh it was not a possibility in the sense that uh, god was not through with me yet but anyway so when i came out of the surgery surgery is about three hours so when i came out of the surgery i remember coming back to my room and i remember talking with people you know and and uh i i, I remember uh asking the nurse i says well Nurse, I don't have any pain. I said, is it still possible that the I'm still under uh, the anesthesia and there's nothing that I'm getting? Uh, I'm not feeling anything. Uh, she says, well, it's a possibility. So as the hours went on, I mean, six hours, eight hours later, no pain. I mean, no pain, ladies and gentlemen. I had surgery. They they cut my neck. They went in. They went in through the front of my neck, and they 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 moved my uh, 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 larynx and all that. I guess with whatever it is that they uh, my <clears throat> excuse me my tonsils and all that. They had to move those over and get to the back. Get get because they went in through the front to get to the back of uh, my neck to where they can get to the to my spine. So anyway, they did all of that. Uh, and I came out of surgery, ladies and gentlemen, having that major surgery with not pain on a scale of one to 10, a one, it wasn't a 0.5, it was zero. 
and I was so amazed and I kept telling people I had my wife take a picture of the uh, the what they they had it set up to where I was supposed to get a morphine drip uh, where you could give yourself the morphine because that's it, it, I, I, this, with the surgery that I had I, w- I should have been at that level of pain and uh, then they had the, they said it either set up a mode uh, uh, the morphine or the uh, oxycodone and uh, so uh, when I got out of surgery, uh, again, no pain. And so I was only in a day, uh, hospital for about a day. But I went through that procedure, ladies and gentlemen, absolutely no pain. As a matter of fact, where my doctor cut me, and I just have to give him credit for this. He cut me right in one of the creases, natural creases in my neck. You can't even see the scar. Glory to God. God completely delivered me in such a miraculous fashion that I had a major surgery on my spine. They actually went in, removed a vertebrae, removed a, a changed vertebrae or whatever they did. They did all this. They, they cut bone, ladies and gentlemen. They cut through and went in and did all of that. Nothing no pain so i give thanks and praise to my lord and savior jesus christ but when i did see the doctor i did so kind of surprise him i said doctor i said there's one thing that you said that you got wrong he said what was that i said you said that i was gonna hate you i says i don't hate you i says uh as a matter of fact after i came out of the surgery i experienced no pain and you know what his words were I've never heard of that. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. He actually said, I've never heard of that. It's, it's highly unusual, obviously. You know, when you have surgery, that hurts. You know, but the thing is, is uh, God delivered me in such a great fashion that I had absolutely no pain. So uh, I just wanted to share that with you. And that's why I've been off uh, and, and haven't been recording. Now, one of the things that I did experience see when you have that type of surgery they had to put that tube down your throat it has to, something to do with the anesthesiology it's the gas or something that they have to it's something that they do but anyway I had a sore throat from that tube being down my throat but it was just like a sore throat as in like you have a cold you know uh, and that only lasted for a few days and it affect uh, it affected my voice uh, a little bit uh, because because uh, I guess because that tube being down your throat and all that, but that was, those were the only discomforts that I had. I had to wear my neck brace for a little while, but uh, I'm telling you, God did a, a great work in my life uh, with that procedure, and uh, so my and my symptoms have decreased considerably. Uh, so I just thank God for uh, doctors and what they are able to do. I mean, they're not God; uh, they 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 don't know everything that's going on. Our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made. There are many things that doctors do not know. Uh, glory to God. But I just thank God that the doctor, the main doctor, Jesus Christ, the heavenly doctor, our father in heaven was actually the first one to do a surgery. And that is in the Garden of Eden when he put Adam in a deep sleep, uh, opened him up, removed the rear, closed him back up, brought him back out of sleep. That is a surgical procedure. Now, whether they, he used anesthesiology in the operating room like we would know it, uh, but the, the procedure itself is surgical uh, God could have just zapped Eve into existence he didn't do that he actually put Adam in a deep the Bible says a deep sleep removed his rib glory to God 
and then closed him back up. So in other words, they opened him up, closed him back up, removed the rib. And when he came out, I guess he was feeling no pain, too. <laughs> Matter of fact, he was feeling no pain. And then seeing Eve and said, oh, <laughs> glory to God. <laughs> so I just thank God again for Jesus and all that he has done for me and you. And I know all of you out there have testimonies. We all have testimonies of the goodness and the greatness of God. And so we're celebrating him on today. Uh, tomorrow is Mother's Day. My mother has gone on to be with the Lord. She has been uh, uh, gone since 1992. And uh, my wife's mother as well has also uh, gone on to be the Lord with the Lord. So we got our nieces are going to come by and they're going to share because my wife is uh, a mother figure in their life. And so they're all going to come by. My nieces and my nephew are going to come by and they're going to have dinner with us. Of course, I got to cook, you know, so hey. Uh, well, you know, it is what it is, you know, but it's a joy to have people that care about you. But uh, I just wanted to share those things uh, with you, with my listening audience and uh, and and all of this. So let's get into our lesson. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to. Oh, 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 I, I have actually started the Revelation Revolution series, the book series. The volume number one is already written. Uh, many of the things that I talk about in the first few uh, podcasts will all be in my book, but I use a lot of references. I have a bibliography in the back of the book, whole nine yards. But instead of putting my entire doctrine, the, the, which is pre wrath, now there are other people who teach pre wrath, such as Marvin Rosenthal and all of them. As a matter of fact, when my first book, Unlocking the Door to Key to Biblical Prophecy, came out in 1994, published by Huntington House Publishers, I actually reached out to Marvin Rosenthal and talked briefly to him uh, on the phone. And uh, uh, but but we teach two different things. Uh, the reason why my position is called pre wrath is because that's what it says in First Thessalonians chapter five verse nine. For God has not appointed us to wrath. That's why I call my position pre wrath It has nothing to do with anybody else's position, you know. Uh, so, but we are we are using the same Bible, so there might be similarities. But I, I, I haven't gone to school and learned this from anyone. This is what God has given me over the years, and I'm giving it to you because it's based on what thus saith the Lord directly from His Scripture. So, uh, be looking for the Revelation Revolution series. I'm probably going to release the first one soon. I may wait to September and write three of them. There, uh, each one, the the books. I'm trying to keep the books a hundred pages and under, so uh, uh, so that it, it's not uh, a formidable task to get through the book. You know, uh, some of these people write books and they're the five six hundred pages, and you know, and to be honest with you, no one reads that much uh, to pick up a book and read that much, unless unless it's a, a mystery novel or something like that. There are novels that that have that many pages, and there are other people's uh, book. I know David Axelrod's book is like 600 pages. I don't know that many people that have read that all the way through either, but, uh, you know, but uh, I, I try to be considerate of the reader, uh, glory to God, and I try not to be too technical, so I think you'll find my books, they are very accessible. I have another book out called Exalt Thyself as an Eagle, a prophetic call to turn this nation.
correlation around it is a uh, correlation of uh, the United States to the prophecies of Obadiah that you find it very very interesting of course counterfeit charisma the age of false prophets is another one of my apologetic works and then we're coming out with this revelation revolution series I'm imagining ladies and gentlemen it's going to be around anywhere from five to five to ten volumes that I'm going to be writing on this uh, so it'll it'll be my magnum opus uh, of literary material that I'm that I've put out uh, so just pray for me that God keeps me strong and, and able to do it so but I would first like to uh, turn your attention to our scripture on today and you're gonna find this is gonna be a very 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 powerful series uh, and one that needs to be taught obviously uh, but we're not going to necessarily start with the eschatological passage, but we're going to be going to uh, Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to examine Peter's Caesarea Philippi confession. And uh, we're going to be looking at the scriptures, and then we're just going to just do some studying together. Amen. Uh, glory to God. In the name of Jesus. Uh, beginning at verse number 13, Matthew 16, beginning at verse number 13. It says, and when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some say Elias, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus answered and said unto him blessed art thou Simon Bar-Jonah for flesh and blood have not revealed it to thee but my father which is in heaven and I say unto thee thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and I will give unto thee the keys kings the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven then charge he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. And verse 21, and I want you to listen. We really want you to get this part of what I start reading now because it's really important. Verse 21, from that time forth he began, began Jesus to show his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders, and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him saying, Be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense to me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of men. Now, let me let me just go back and read this from the NIV. Glory to God. The NIV. Let me get back to it. It. 
did something that I didn't want it to do here. You know, these computer programs are funny. So let me get back to where I was. Okay. And then it says, verse number 22. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind what concerns the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, I want you, ladies and gentlemen, to get what was just said. I want you to grab this because it's important. What is it that Peter did so wrong? Jesus dropped a bomb on him. He said, listen, they're going to turn me over to the elders. They're going to turn me over to the scribes. I'm going to suffer many things and be killed. Peter said, no, not you, Lord. Be it far from you. This can't happen to you. You're the the guy who raises the dead. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. We've been waiting for you for 42 generations. Glory to God. You were prophesied in the Psalms. You were prophesied in the law of Moses. You were prophesied by the prophets. Isaiah called you the suffering servant. Glory to God. We've been looking for you. You are the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. This can't happen to you. You're the one that feeds 5,000. From five loaves, you're you're the God that raises the dead. You cause the lame to walk and the blind to see. Not you. You are a young man. You only in your thirties. What are you talking all this? You gonna die stuff. This can't happen to you. We love you. We want you here with us. We we we. We we can't fathom the thought that something tragic like you're saying is going to happen. You're going to get killed? No, be it far from you. So Jesus turns to Peter. Now just a, a minute ago, Peter was had a revelation from God. Oh, who he was. Thou art the Christ. Jesus said, flesh and blood. I have not revealed that to you. But my father, which are in heaven. So then he took him aside. He taught the school. Listen. They're going to turn me over to the preachers, the scribes, the Pharisees. I'll go before the Sanhedrin. I'm going to suffer many things. They're going to whip me all night long. They're going to hit me in the face. They're going to put a crown of thorns on me. They're going to beat me, strip me naked and beat me bloody to where you can't even recognize me. 
And at the end, I got to die. They going to kill me. Peter said, no. No, no, I ain't trying to hear that. No, Lord, not you. You can't be going through that. But that emotion that Peter had was actually being exploited by who? Satan. Satan just that quick slid in with an agenda, a humanist agenda. You know, Satan is the ultimate humanist where man's concerns are put above God's. This is what we're seeing in our society, in our, in our politics, in our court, in our civil rights. We're seeing man's concerns be placed over God's. You know whose agenda, who's behind that? Satan is behind that. So Jesus rebukes him. Let me read it again from the NIV. Verse number 23. Jesus turned and said unto him, Peter, get behind, get behind. He said, he said unto Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, isn't it human for us not to want to suffer? Is that not human? Is that not human to avoid pain, to avoid discomfort, to avoid all of the things, glory to God, to the vicissitudes of life? Isn't it human to not want to go through suffering? Isn't that human? That's human, ladies and gentlemen. It's human. But not only is it human. Is actually the message of Satan. Oh, glory to God. I hope you're listening to me here. Then Jesus goes on and he takes him even deeper. Jesus said unto his disciples, Whosoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Verse number 24. Then verse 25, whosoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be to someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Now listen to verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come. That's futuristic. Jesus now jumped into eschatology. He jumped into the future. He jumps into the day of the Lord. The Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. He says, I tell you, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Glory to God. Verse number 27 again. For the Son of Man is going to come 
in his father's glory with his angels and he and then he will reward each person according to what they have done in other words in his second advent during the day of the lord when he comes back the bible says his feet will set on the mount of olives and it's going to split glory to god zechariah chapter 14 he's going to rule the nations with a rod of iron glory to god during a millennial reign he will be here the saints will be with him the church will be with him we will uh, live and reign with christ glory to god but he says when i when he comes glory to god so he takes the disciples from a contemporary right now then he shoots them into the future but this is what he says in the meantime he said if you want to be my disciple you got to deny yourself pick up your cross and follow me but this is the clincher for whosoever wants to save their life save their life will cause you to compromise save your life will cause you to want to avoid pain it'll cause you to want to avoid suffering it'll cause you to want to avoid death glory to God but Jesus said if you seek to save your life you will lose it he said anybody that loses their life for my sake will save it and so when we go back to what Peter said glory to God he said no this shall never happen to you you should not have to suffer like that what you mean you going to die they going to kill you what you mean you got to you 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 acknowledging somebody going to kill you come on lord this can't happen to you to never be so to you he said get behind me satan that's a humanist message that's a self preservation message that is a human message i don't want to suffer i don't want to go through nothing and i'll compromise in order to avoid it and jesus said if you do that you gonna lose your life if you seek to save it you gonna lose it he said if you my disciple you better be prepared to take up your cross and follow me this is not no cakewalk ladies and gentlemen and because jesus put an eschatological an end time slant to it he took it all the way into glory to God to when he returns so now we got a bookend here we got two bookends the times they were there clean up to the time he returns and everything in the middle he's talking to people like you and me glory to God if you're not willing to take up your cross, if you're not willing to lay down your life, if you're not willing to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, or as the NIV says, your spiritual act of worship. You're not willing to do that. You're not worthy of Christ. The question is, is the church today preparing people to stand glory to God when it comes to times of persecution when it comes times when it might cost you something to be a Christian are people when our churches preparing people for that or are they talking about getting blessed getting a car getting some money 
all of the superficial things that mean absolutely nothing on a planet that we're going to leave, that we're just passing through, and everything you own here on this earth don't belong to you. No way God just letting you have it. He said, all the wealth belongs to me anyway. All the gold is mine. All the silver is mine. They're my cattle that, 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 that you eat. Those are my chickens. Those, those, are, those are my apples. Those are my grapes. Glory to God. I put all that here for you to enjoy. So some of us get a gospel that teaches us, not teaches us how to dig deep and prepare for the day of trouble. No, we off on some other thing. And we're not dealing with what's coming. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory to God. Jesus said, whoever seeks to save their life will lose it. He told Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. He said, you you only concern with mere human concerns, mere human concern of self-preservation, avoidance of pain, avoidance of suffering, avoidance of tribulation, avoidance of all these things. That's what that's what the humanist agenda is. And that agenda that 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 pertains mostly to to human concerns, that doesn't originate with humans. It originates with Satan because Satan is the ultimate humanist. Yes, he's he wants you to be concerned about you. And this is why when he tempted Jesus, he took him on a high place and he let him see all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor and glory. He said, I'll give it to you if you bow down. Glory, glory to God. I give you all of it. If you just bow to me. Glory to God. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to go to the cross. Glory to God. Jesus said, I, for, this, for this end, I've come into the world. There is no such thing of avoidance of suffering for me. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, when you signed up to be a Christian, I'm you see, I'm speaking hyperbole now, signed up, glory to God. When you became a Christian, you signed up in the same fight that Jesus fought with Satan in this world. You're in the army of the Lord. There is no early discharge in war. Oh, glory to God. He says Satan is manipulating people's feelings. He manipulates their feelings to where they want to avoid suffering. They want to avoid pain. They want to avoid tribulation. Yes, they want to avoid tribulation. We're going to read a few passages about tribulation. Glory to God.
you know, I'm not hurrying up and jump, jump, jumping in line to get my head cut off. I'm not running to to the Middle East so I can just find me a jihadist that's willing to uh, separate my head from my body. I'm not looking for that. Like my Luther King says, my Luther King said, like any man, I want to live. Longevity has its place. Glory to God. We want to live. Yeah. Live a long time. See our grandkids. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a blessing. But if it means that at some point I have to lay my life down for the Lord like the Lord laid his life down for me, I'm not going to shirk on that. And the Bible teaches us, glory to God, that we should, glory to God, be steadfast even in tribulation. Let's look at John 16, 33. This is what Jesus says. These things I have spoken unto you that ye might have peace in the world ye shall have tribulation but be of good cheer I have overcome the world Acts 14 22 confirming the souls of the disciples and, ex uh, and exhorting them to continue in faith that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God glory to God Romans 5 and 3, not only so, but we glory in tribulation, also knowing that tribulation works patience. Paul asked the question in Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of God? The first thing on the list is, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, nakedness or peril or the sword? He's talking about capital punishment. Paul got his head cut off, ladies and gentlemen. Paul was thrown in prison, all of that. Glory to God. This is what it says in Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Glory to God. The God of, of 2 Corinthians 1 and 4. Who comfort us in all our tribulation. That we may be able to comfort them that are in any trouble. Glory to God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse number 4 he says verily when we were with you we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as it has come to pass and ye know glory to God listen to how John describes himself in Revelation 1 9 he said, I, John, who am your brother and companion in tribulation. Paul, John is wearing tribulation like a badge of honor. Because we're suffering on the behalf of Jesus Christ. This is what he said. Glory to God. In Revelations 2.9. 
He says, look, I know that works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. Glory to God. Listen, listen what he says in Revelation 2.10. Revelation 2.10. Church of Smyrna. Unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and thy tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of these things which, shall, which thou shalt suffer. Colon, behold, the devil shall cast some of you in the prison. That ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. But be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. Jesus is not telling them people at Smyrna, oh, I'm not going to let you go through nothing. Oh, oh I'm going to deliver you from jail. I'm going to pay your bond. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm spring you out. And I'm going to send the angel and break you out of jail like I did Peter. He didn't tell him that. He didn't tell him that. The, uh, the bishop of Smyrna, Polycarp, was martyred. He was set on fire. Glory to God because he refused to say Caesar is Lord. Glory to God. I talk about that in my Revelation Revolution uh, book, the first episode. I actually talk about that. I actually do a piece on that. Glory to God. He was the bishop of Smyrna. These Christians were getting persecuted. They were dying from the faith. This is after Pentecost. Same Holy Ghost. Same body of Christ. Same everything. By the time John wrote this, uh, uh, the book of Revelation, Paul had been dead for decades. Paul died around 60 AD. This was written around 90 AD. This is 30 years later. Glory to God. All of the doctrines of being in Christ, baptized into Christ, walking with Christ, risen with Christ, being buried with him by baptism, seated in heavenly places, uh, uh, the doctrines of, of the rapture, the mystery of the rapture. Glory to God. All these doctrines, all these things had already been written. Paul had been dead 30 years by this time. So these were Christians, ladies and gentlemen, body of Christ, Holy Ghost filled. Jesus said, some of you are going in the jail and Satan gonna put you there and it ain't gonna be nothing nice when you went in jail back in those days ladies and gentlemen a lot of times you never came out with the vermin and disease and the violence and the cold and the elements they didn't have air conditioning they didn't have heat like we got and, and, uh, today and these plush jails uh, 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 that people these federal prisons that some people that's getting locked up go to they're country clubs these were not country clubs the Lord said, I'm going to cast The Lord said, Satan is going to do it. And I'm not going to stop him from doing it. He's going to get some of y'all. Yes. But this is what he says. Be thou faithful unto death. Listen to that, ladies and gentlemen. We don't hear this message ta taught in church. We don't hear pastors talking about enduring. But there are Christians that are in India. There are Christians that are in China and in Burma and in the Middle East, many places around the world, India and stuff like that, where they're dying for the faith every day. They're paying a price for it. It's just here in the Western Hemisphere, particularly here in America, where we're caught.
caught up with who's going to win the NBA championship and who's going to win the Super Bowl and who and, and, and what an American Idol and all this dumb stuff. And then we got a uh, 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 preachers telling people that God is nothing but a celestial Santa Claus. That his whole purpose is to give you stuff and to bless you with stuff. And instead of us hearing messages like this, messages not just because I'm saying it, but because this is what the Bible teaches. God, the Lord says Satan is going to throw some of y'all into prison and some of you are going to die. He says, but do not fear any of the things which you shall suffer. He said, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Now, I know people that are pre-trib say, yeah, well, Dr. Woods, you getting tribulation in the general sense and tribulation in the technical sense mixed up. I am not doing anything. I'm not getting anything mixed up. I know this. I know the doctrine. I've debated with some of the top people in the doctrine. I've written them. As a matter of fact, in my in my book that's coming out, I actually put the letter that I got from Dr. John Walford and Dr. Pentecost. I actually have the paper with Dr. Pentecost's own handwriting where he said some unbelievable things to me just to quit, just to keep from admitting that pre-trib was wrong. I'm putting it in my book in the appendix so you all can see it. Glory to God. He said, be faithful unto death. I will give you the crown of life. Glory to God. Let's look at Revelation 12. Verse Number 11. Now we're going to start at verse number 10. It says, I heard a loud voice from heaven said, Now is come salvation, because Satan had been cast down to the earth. Now I heard it with a loud voice saying, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God. And the, king, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Which accused them before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Listen to what God is saying here ladies and gentlemen. These were the ones that stood out before God. These were the ones that God admired. Because he said look at them. How did they overcome him? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, number one, because they were redeemed and the word of their testimony. Glory to God. Let me tell you, you might not be able to quote all the scriptures. You may not be able to know all the theology. You may not know Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. You may not know any of that. You may not know John. You may not not know, know Jonah from John or Genesis from James or Chronicles, second Chronicles from second Corinthians. You may not know any Greek or be able to pronounce any of these theological terms, but you don't need to know any of that. All you need to know is once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was lost, but now I'm saved. You see, this is what the Bible says. They were overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. 
See, because in the final analysis, no one can take that from you. They can argue about who wrote James or who didn't write it. They can argue about whether the whether the pastoral epistles are really Pauline or not. They can tell you we don't know who wrote Hebrews. They can go in all that and you may not have an answer for none of that. Glory to God. He says, look, I don't know none of that. You theologians, y'all can argue about all that silly stuff if you want to. You can argue about what Luther did, what Calvin did, what Arminius did, what Thomas Aquinas did. You can go do all of that backflipping you want to do but the bottom line is is I was lost but now I'm found I was blind but now I see and I, and these people the Bible says they overcame by the word of their testimony and they love not their lives unto the death listen to that message ladies and gentlemen they loved not their lives unto the death in other words they didn't put their life they didn't put their comfort they didn't put their wanting to avoid pain and tribulation they didn't put that in front of serving God they say if it mean I gotta lose all that so be it I don't love my life that much to where I'll compromise on God it's not that it's not that important if I gotta lay it down then I'll lay it down I am determined for God I live or for God I die. Glory to God. They love not their lives unto the death. They did not have human concerns. They didn't go, oh God ain't going to let that happen to us. Oh Jesus certainly wouldn't let this happen. Oh, he wouldn't let us suffer like that. Oh, he's not going to let that happen to us. Oh, he's not going to let any tribulation come on us. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no scripture in the Bible that says you will not be appointed to tribulation. The, 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 the title of that rapture theory doctrine is misleading because there are no scriptures that say you will not go through tribulation even conceptionally that's wrong what the Bible says we're not appointed to wrath there are no scriptures that say we're not appointed to tribulation I cover that extensively in my first book glory to God but ladies and gentlemen I want you to hear with your own I want you to hear this yourself I'm going to play a piece of a theologian by the name of Dr. Mark Hitchcock he's one of the DTS Dallas Theological Seminary guys got a lot of books out big time pre-tribber taught by the people that who I who I confronted uh, with saying that doctrine is wrong he was talked by taught by Dr. John Walvoord he was taught by Dr. J uh, uh, J. Dwight Pentecost these are the two people that I that I that I had correspondence with that I said is it's in my book I'm, I'm actually putting this in my book now when y'all get it y'all y'all actually see the paper I wrote and I'm putting the letters that they responded back to me all that's gonna be in the book so you got to get it. Glory to God. 
I'm actually going to play for you some of the mindset of those that are pre-trib. And I want you to hear it for yourself. Now remember, I want to set this up. What is it that Peter said to Jesus? When Jesus told him, I'm going to die, what did Peter do? Peter responded from the position of how a person would respond to a tragedy. Being far from you. No, that can't happen to you. God wouldn't let that happen to you. You're the lamb. You, you're the son of God. Come on. You know, it's just like if someone came up to you and they came to you with some pessimistic thing saying they were going to die and all that. You'd be going, why are you saying all this negative stuff? Why are you doing that? You know, this is what we would do. This is what people do. But what Jesus showed us, ladies and gentlemen, that just wasn't human concern coming from a human that was actually a satanic message inspired by Satan to appeal more to self-preservation than sacrifice that leads to death. And this is why Jesus said, if any man seeks to save his life, he's going to lose it. But if anybody lose their life for my sake, they will save it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to play for you the words of Dr. Mark Hitchcock. Here's the blessed hope. The rapture in Scripture is called the blessed hope in, in Titus 2.13. It says we're to be looking for the blessed hope. In, in 1 Thessalonians, the passage we began with uh, here uh, this morning, in, in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, after he goes through and talks all about the rapture, he says, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. The doctrine of the rapture is a soothing balm for troubled hearts. It's a blessing and a consolation to God's people. But stop and think about this for a moment. If Paul taught mid-trib or pre-wrath or post-trib, would the rapture really be that comforting? If you have to go to three and a half years or five and a half years or seven years of this time of tribulation, how much of a comfort would the rapture really be? If we have to face the tribulation before Jesus comes, Jesus would have to change those words, let not your hearts be troubled, to let your heart be troubled, right? Or Tim LaHaye, I once heard him say, would change the blessed hope to the blasted hope, uh, really. The fact to me that the rapture is a blessed hope and a comfort argues for the fact that it's pre-trib. Now... There are all kinds of other arguments for pre-trib rapture we could give, but these are the seven simplest to me most. Ladies and gentlemen, you just heard one of the top pre-tribulationists, seminary teacher, pastor, author, taught out of Dallas Theological Seminary, one of the top evangelical dispensational teaching schools in the country. Probably the, one of the first, if not the first. Did you just hear what he said? 
It's all about the comfort. Listen to that. Did you hear that message, ladies and gentlemen? What comfort would it be if we had to die? If we had to go to tribulation? If, it, if, if, you, if you had any other position other than preach prayer? What comfort? How comforting would it be? So now it's all about the comfort and the avoidance of the tribulation. It's about the comfort. How comfortable would it be if I got to get my head cut off? How comfortable would it be if I had to be here doing those time and, and, and be persecuted? That's not comforting. It's all about the comfort. But isn't that the same message that Peter gave to Jesus when he said, Lord, that should not happen to you. That can't happen to you. And Jesus turned around and said, get behind me, Satan. You're more concerned with things that concern humans. Humans are worried about keeping their butt up out of the fire. Humans are worried about not, not, not having enough to eat. Humans are worried about, I don't want to get my head cut off. Humans are worried about, I don't want to have to go through all that. If you listen to the average person that believes in pre-trib, ladies and gentlemen, they'll tell you, I don't want to go through all that. I don't want to be here for that because that, that's terrible. We don't have to be here for all of that. So this is why they they. Turn to a doctrine that says pre-tribulation. And I just got finished reading to you all of these scriptures that said in this world, you're going to have tribulation. You're not getting out of that. Any man who follows me, let them take up their cross follow me he said and if you're not willing to do that you're not worthy of me you can't be my disciple if you're not willing Jesus said if I lay down my life you should be willing to lay down yours you may be required to lay down yours and then certainly during that time this is exactly what's going to happen ladies and gentlemen I want you to think about that. Let's go to Revelation 14. Now remember, they talked about the comfort, right? What comfort would we have? All right? This is what we're going to do. I want you to listen to this very carefully. And I actually want you to tell your friends about this. They may laugh at you. They may say, oh, you may, you want the people that think we're going to be here through the tribulation. And, you know, it, don't even get caught in that. Just say, look, whatever you do, when time comes, do not get the mark of the beast. See, you laughing now. It's funny now. Just remember that. This is what the Bible says. Verse number nine, Revelation chapter 14, verse number nine. This is what, this, this is what it says. And the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice if any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark 
in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And their smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they shall have no rest day or night who worship the beast and and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Verse number 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. And I want you to get this next verse. Verse number 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right! Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Listen to what this is saying, ladies and gentlemen. Now, you just heard Mark Hitchcock say, what comfort would we have? What comfort do they get? If you got to go through the tribulation, if you got to be here for the mark of the beast, if you get your head, what comfort would that be? If you got, listen to the comfort. The comfort came from the comforter himself. It was the Holy Spirit that said, blessed are the dead that die in the Lord for From this point on, he said, they will rest from their labors. Yes, saith the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit kicking in and saying, yes. He is testifying. He is confirming that those who die and give their lives, those who love not their lives unto the death, those who did not fall for Satan's humanist concerns to try to avoid tribulation, to try to avoid sacrifice, to try to avoid death. Glory to God. He told his church at Smyrna, what did he say? Stay, remain faithful. He said, remain faithful unto death and I'll give you the crown of life. Here you have the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is the paracletos, the comforter, the, uh, the one who is alongside our helper our advocate our comforter here you have ladies and gentlemen the comforter himself saying blessed are the dead that die in the Lord from henceforth yes says the spirit their works do follow them. In other words, a Holy Ghost saying, we see your sacrifice. We see what you're going through. You are going to be blessed and your sacrifice, your works will not be forgotten. In other words, if you have the comforter himself giving you the guarantee when these pre-trip people saying, what comfort would they have? They better read their 
Bible. They got the Holy Spirit who is the comforter guaranteeing that God is not going to forget their sacrifice. That is the greatest comfort that you can have that when you lay your life down, you'll wake up and be with the Lord. That is the greatest comfort of all comforts that even though in this world you will have tribulation. Oh, glory to God. You're going to have the tribulation. No one promised you were going to be delivered from that. Jesus was not delivered from that. The disciples were not delivered from that. All of these Christians that died in the circus, Maximus, under Marcus Aurelius and, and, and Caligula and Caesar and all of these other uh, 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 antichrists. Glory to God. Glory to God. You've got these men with all these degrees. They lying to people. They're taking the book that God set up just so we'll know what's going to happen in the end. And they've turned it into something trying to get people to avoid something. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is wrong. Glory to God. And then you have you 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 have ladies and gentlemen famous preacher people that teach all types of things. But I'm going to play something for you now. And I want you to hear it. It's Dr. John MacArthur. I want you to hear this yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. Now, the Bible just very explicitly. Now, let me, as a matter of fact, let me read it again. I want to read it again because what you, what's, what you, but the audio clip you're about to hear is going to knock you out your chair. But I want to read this again. Revelation chapter 14, verse number nine. And the third angel followed and saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink the same. That means the same meaning the people that worship the beast get the mark of the beast and all of that. The same shall drink, shall drink, not maybe, not could, not might, shall drink. That's emphatic, ladies and gentlemen, of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented. With fire and brimstone in the presence of holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Verse 11. And their smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image. And whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Glory to God. And I just want to switch to the to the NIV here real quick. So I want this laugh. I want you to hear this. And then verse number 12. This calls for patient endurance. 
on the part of God's people who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. See what they're saying there, ladies and gentlemen. They're saying, listen, this calls for patient endurance on the part of God's people now. Because it's going to come a time which might cost you your life. He said, but don't get that mark. Now, I want you to I want you to hear with your own ears what one of the top evangelical scholars and pastors in this country, probably one one of the top in the world. I'm not saying he's the top, but he's one of them because he got all these commentaries and books. Very well respected guy. Very well respected. I want you to hear what he says about can people still be saved when they get the mark of the beast? Because a lot of times I believe y'all be thinking Dr. Woods make this stuff up. I'll listen with your own ears. Uh, I've got a surprise for you today. Okay. Do you remember when you talked about the, uh, someone asked uh, about the mark of the beast and whether or not someone could receive the mark of the beast and then become a believer? You remember that? Uh-huh. Do you remember the controversy that stirred up? Yes. It was quite a bit, wasn't it? It was. I got a lot of emails, people saying, I can't believe he would say such a thing. You remember all that? Yes, sir, I do. All right. Well, I was walking April the other night listening to a Q&A uh, from a few years ago uh, where Pete, John MacArthur on a Wednesday night lets, would have the folks in his congregation stand up and go to the microphones and shoot questions at him. Would you like to hear the question he was asked and his answer? <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. It's in regard to the latter half of the tribulation period when when men would be required to have the mark of the beast in order to buy or sell. My question is, uh, once a person takes the mark, is there any possibility of him coming to Christ? Yes. Uh, I think, you know, in the seven-year tribulation coming in the future, we're going to get into this so probably a week from Sunday night, maybe this Sunday night, maybe a week, I'm not sure. But... Um, the tribulation is a seven-year period, right? The rapture of the church, seven-year tribulation, then Christ returns, sets up his kingdom. Now, in that seven-year period, really two things happen. God begins to judge the world in, with a series of holocausts, and at the same time, he begins to redeem his people, Israel. And in the process of this, the Antichrist establishes his rule, and in order to function in the economy of the Antichrist, you have to take the mark of the beast. Uh, the mark being the number of a man, Revelation 13, 666. Six is the number of man, right? Seven is the number of perfection, and man always falls short of perfection. 6666. Six, six, six. Always six is never seven. So the number of a man. And apparently what's going to happen, you take the mark on your hand or on your forehead. And we've talked a lot about that, you know, that, uh, that that's kind of the computer situation. We're now moving fast toward the time when we're going to have to do everything we do by cards and by numbers and all of that. And uh, uh, those number, the thing about a card that's a problem is you lose it and they've already devised systems to put the number on your hand and on your forehead. And you go through a scanner and, then, you know, that's how you buy and sell. It's automatically deducted from your bank account. Now, the question is, if you're living in the tribulation period and you take this mark, in other words, you identify with the beast's empire, Will you still be able to be redeemed? And I think the answer to that is yes. Yes. Otherwise, there would be no salvation of anybody in the end of the tribulation. And you've got to have the salvation of folks in the end of the tribulation. You're going to have the Jews redeemed. You're going to have, according to Revelation chapter 7, an innumerable number of Gentiles redeemed. So many, they can't even be counted across the face of the earth. So I don't think the fact that someone takes that is a sentence to, it, to permanency. 
any more than you being a part of this world system once in your life means you have to be a part of the system all your life. Well, especially when the 144,000 don't start their ministry till the second half. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That make it a little tough. Yeah. Well, there you go, Dr. DeYoung. <laughs> well, we're looking at the same book. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what's so interesting, and that's what we were saying. I mean, you know, that's not the impartable sin. You've got to be... I, the thought, I, I've never thought that what he said there was very interesting. The fact is, if nobody gets saved in the last three and a half years because they have received that mark... Where's that uh, unbelievable number of Jews that come to know Christ and that are living that actually go into the millennial kingdom and natural bodies? That's good. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I stopped it early because I, 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 I hate even hearing that garbage. Did you not hear with your own ears? What I did first is I read you the passage of scripture. Here you have a human being, a scholar, because he got some doctorates behind his name. He's a president of a seminary. He's, he's written all these commentaries. He's well known. And what happens, ladies and gentlemen, these people get all these degrees and they actually think they know more than God. Did you not just hear this man say he was a pre-trib teacher? Now, the bad thing about it is this man teaches a doctrine that we're not even going to be here. Ladies and gentlemen, Revelation said there's going to be the, the, the church is still here by the time of the mark of the beast. The church is not appointed to wrath. There's nowhere in the Bible that says the church is not appointed to tribulation. Number one. But here's the real kicker, ladies and gentlemen. When pre-trib people are still here during these times, that's going to contribute, ladies and gentlemen, to a lot of people falling away. Why? Because they've always been taught that they wouldn't be here. Well, once they see they are still here and persecution comes and all these other things, this is when Jesus says many they're going to many will be offended. Glory to God. They're going to be offended. Glory to God. They're going to be betray one another and many shall fall away from the faith. Glory to God. This is what's going to happen. Many are going to defect from the faith. This is what Paul talks about. Paul says there will be there will be a defection from the faith. Faith. Glory to God. And so uh, uh, it, it is going to be a situation to where people listen. Listen, this is Matthew 24, verse nine. He says, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated of all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate one another. You see, this is what's going to end up happening because folks are going to be caught. They're going to be caught. They're going to be taught this tradition. They're going to be taught that revelation has nothing to do with the church. They're going to be taught that we're going to be gone. They're going to be taught all of these things. And now all of a sudden they're going to find themselves here. Okay, now on top of that, that falsehood, on top of that, then you get one of the main people who teach that doctrine sit up there and tell them and if you are here and get the number you can still be saved just think of that lady just think of that what that means think of that 
The man who teach they're not, you're not going to be here doing the tribulation, turns right back around and said, if people that are here doing it, if they get to the mark of the beast, they can still be redeemed. He is a liar. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And his whole idea, oh, God wouldn't let us go through the tribute. Would us let us be here for the time of the beast? Because what comfort would that be? In other words, to them, the definition of comfort is not going through any suffering. That's not the definition of comfort. What the definition of comfort is, is even if you do die, God says, I gotcha. You're going to be saved. You're going to be with me. That's where the comfort comes in. The comfort don't come in of Jesus not going to the cross. The comfort comes that he said for the joy that was set before him. He endured the suffering. He endured the shame. He despised the cross. Glory to God. But he went forward looking. Let me let me go to Hebrews. Oh, glory to God. Y'all got me wanting to preach this thing. Now, they done got me fired up with all these lies and deceits and then people buying it wholesale like it's truth. Glory to God. Oh, glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what the Bible says about Jesus. Glory to God. This is what he says. Well, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we also are can pass about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin that do so easily beset us and let us run the race with patience that is set before for us looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind the Bible is saying you got to think about what Jesus went through and, and, and consider that lest you be faint in your minds when you go through glory to God and so ladies and gentlemen I'm here to tell you I wanted you to hear those words yourself I didn't want to just say them I wanted you to hear them here we have the comforter himself saying, blessed are they that die in the Lord. What do you mean we don't have any comfort? Nothing more comforter than saying, if you give your life to the Lord, you are assured. Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, don't you know that's what the people who get the mark of the beast are doing? Because the beast is going to talk about, are you going to die if you don't get it? So Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, those are the people who are going to compromise and get the mark. They're going to get it. Then you got this liar coming back behind them saying, and if you do get the mark, despite what the Bible says, you'll go to heaven anyway. Why? Because I, John MacArthur, said so. And what make it so bad, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, he was being interviewed. Brandon House and Jimmy DeYoung, those are the people that were talking before we heard the clip from John MacArthur's church. Glory to God. Jimmy DeYoung, he's a bit another big pre-tribber. And both of these guys were agreeing with John MacArthur. They were agreeing with him. Oh, yeah, I always wondered about that or thought that. Yeah, because these other people, you are a human being. And you have actually opened your mouth and contradicted the words of God. 
Jesus said, in vain did they worship me, teaching the doctrines and the commandments of men. Glory to God. I want to read that last passage, and then I'm going to let you go. Glory to God. Listen to this, what it says. I'm going to read it in Mark 7, 7. How be it? In vain do they worship me, teaching for the doctrines and the commandments of man. For you lay aside the commandment of God, that ye may hold to the tradition of men. Listen to that, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it's, it's tight, but it's right. Listen how he, how he says it in Matthew. This people draw nigh to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, with their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for the doctrines and the commandments of man. Glory to God. Glory Glory to God. Ladies and gentlemen. But let me read, let me, let me read the verse 6. It says, honor, he's, Jesus is actually making a point here. In verse 6, And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus ye have made the commandment of God none effect by your own traditions. Glory to God. This people draw nigh to me with their lips. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching for the doctrines and the commandments of men. He says, why, in verse number three, he says, why do you also can transgress the commandments of God by your tradition? Men love their doctrinal traditions. The reason why they love their doctrines and their traditions so much is because they're the ones who created them. See, if you're the one who created it, you that's the thing you love more. Pre-trib was created, ladies and gentlemen. I do a whole in my in my new book, I do a whole study on John Nelson Darby. How he came here from, from England. Anglican. Guy came over here, had a group going in Dublin, Ireland, rather, all over in that part over there. Came over here with the Plymouth Brethren, brought his dead prophecy conferences. He got hooked up with some of the top ministers of the day, one of them being Dwight L. Moody. After Dwight L. Moody and them would get really embraced his dispensational teaching and his pre-trips, pre-trip rapture theory. A person that worked with Dr. Dwight Moody was named Lewis Perry Schaefer. But when John Narson Nelson Darby came, glory to God, he hooked up with another guy. This other guy was named C.I. Schofield. C.I. Schofield is the person who ended up doing the Schofield Reference Bible, published by Oxford Press. It was insanely popular. Pre-tribulationism actually spread through the Schofield Reference Bible and through the prophecy conference that Schofield was holding. 
Now, Schofield, Darby, Schofield and all them, all them were friends with Moody. Moody Memorial Church. The White L. Moody is very influential. Started the YMCA. YMCA come to White L. Moody. He's the one who started that. But after that, there was a guy named Louis Perry Seifur. I call him Louis Perry Schaefer. I think, I think I'm actually pronouncing his name, last name wrong. Louis Perry Schaefer, though. Louis Perry Schaefer hooked up with C.I. Schofield. He went to teach for Schofield at his correspondence school in New York. While Schaefer was there in New York, he rose to prominence. He ended up starting a seminary that later changed the name to Dallas Theological Seminary. He started that school in 1929. Glory to God. When Lewis Perry Schaefer died in 1952, Dr. John Walvoord took over as chancellor. It was Dr. John Walvoord that I challenged. That's the one I wrote. Glory to God. It said pre-tribulation. There's it's a, it's some major things wrong with it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not seeking a name for myself. I see what's about to come. Remember Dr. Hitchcock? He said, what comfort would it be? Who's concerned with the comfort of a butt other than men? That's not God's agenda. That's Satan's agenda. That's the humanist agenda. It's the same thing Peter told Jesus. Lord, be it far from me. This can't happen to you. It's the same thing preached free of today. This can't happen to us. What comfort would it be? What sense does it make to let God let us go through that? This can't happen to us. Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for more Revelation Revolution. This is Dr. Dennis James Woods. I hope this episode has been a blessing to you. God bless you and keep you in Jesus' mighty name. Know the Times. Answers to 25 essential questions on end times prophecy. A powerful new book by Dennis James Woods. Wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, and floods that devastates entire communities. Global pandemics that kills hundreds of thousands of people. Social injustice, unrest, and lawlessness that threatens our societies. Where is this world heading? And what does the Bible say about the end times? You Must Know the Times is an eye-opening book specifically designed to educate readers about the last days. You will learn what the Bible says about conflicts in the Middle East, the Tribulation Period, the Nation of Israel, the Mark of the Beast, the Antichrist, Armageddon, the Rapture of the Church, and many more essential topics. Get your copy today of You Must Know the Times by Dennis James Woods at Amazon, iTunes, Google Books, 
Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. 